Hey there, listeners. We waited so long to record this episode that it got as big as all of Hyrule. So what we did was broke it into two parts. This is part one. In two weeks, you'll get part two as the next episode. So don't be alarmed when this episode feels like it ended suddenly. Enjoy. George. Yes! 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 So are you excited? Yes! For- yes! Yes, we get to play this game! We've played this game. It is in me. It's in my eyes. It's in my soul. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so I don't think people were expecting you to be this excited to play Zelda 2 again. I find <laughs> trying I'm struggling to find a way to not swear at you right now. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel that I've really played this one too close to the chest about wanting to play it. <laughs> nah, nah, we, we don't have to do that whole thing. We played Link to the Past. We played yeah, Link we to did. the Past. Uh, it's so good. I mean, like, spoiler warning. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, um you know, if we ever made it into the era of, like, 64 games and, like, PS1 games, um th- this is, you know, like... Like nobody needs to be told that Super Mario sixty four was a good game, right? Nobody, right. nobody's shockingly wait or, or like with bated breath waiting our our hot take <laughs> on whether or not Link to the Past was in fact a good game. Like, guess what, y'all? It, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. No, it's 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 really good, and I'm and excited. To- music, shortest episode ever. <laughs> the curtain falls. <laughs> um, no, and actually, I'm interested to hear your nostalgia goggles experience for this because I have a very um, distinct one because it actually, in an odd way, like I got a life lesson out of my first time playing this. So, Ooh. but I want to hear yours too. Um, mine are going to be way less exciting because uh, I'm fairly positive i didn't own this game so i think i've mentioned my friend brian before right and like him and i like swapped a lot of games back and forth so Mm -hmm. a lot of the games i played at this time in my life were actually his that he would just let me borrow for essentially as long as i wanted because his parents showed affection to him by buying him video games Mm. so 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 it was like nap it was like napster before napster was a thing yeah pretty much like yeah he he was my it, it was like everybody, you know, tried to have the friend who, like, had more toys than they had time to play with them. Mm-hmm. And he was really generous with his stuff, which was very, very nice of him because he would just be like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, f- five games I haven't even touched yet. Like, if you want to play Link to the Past again, like, go for it. So I am I actually don't think I owned this game. I think I just had his copy at my house so much that it felt <laughs> like I owned it, but... I do not remember a time when I was a lad ever wanting for this game. Like, if I was like, oh, man, I could go for Link to the Past. It was always like, oh, here it is. Oh, my God. So, for me personally, the okay, so I did eventually own this game. But the first time that I played it, it was over at a friend's house. And it was his older brother's, like, he owned the the SNES and Link to the Past, right? Mm. So... What we decided, so we we would play when he wasn't, you know, when he was like out because obviously, you know, older brothers are scary, right? <laughs> um, I guess I don't know. I mean, he's th- my friend seemed 
uh, appropriately, respectfully terrified of his older brother. Yeah, no, anyway, so healthy household. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, but uh, we so we would load up his save and play it right. And the thing is that we probably sunk all said and done maybe about ten hours ish into just running around the world trying to play the game, and we we got nowhere. <laughs> and then eventually, I was like, okay, well, let's just just try starting our own save. And because we now knew what we were supposed to be doing and like what all of the symbols on the map meant and what our end goal was, we were actually able to, in substantially less time, get further than his brother, which the lesson I took away from was don't take shortcuts. Like, (laughs) that's how I kind of like, that's how I remember learning that lesson is that, you know, like taking somebody else's work and pawning it off as your own eventually robs you of the experience of having done the work, you know, and like this this game taught me that in a biz- really bizarre way but it, it totally did and then uh and then of course you know later on i got a, a snes at my father's house and played this game into the ground to the point where <laughs> um when we were playing it i'm really disappointed with the amount of brain space i have wasted apparently still wasting on this game because i i knew as soon as I got into the overworld that I wanted to get the Zora's flippers and I not only remembered where they were, that's disappointing. I remembered <laughs> how much they cost. F- 500 rupees? 500 rupees. And yeah. I knew that before going it, but before even going there, I'm like, well, I need to get 500 rupees. I'm like, why do I know that? So, so we're, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of gushy nonsense uh, throughout, uh, but I, the, the experience that I had, uh, to to the how much of my brain is dedicated to this game for seemingly no good reason uh was i had disparate pieces where i was like i can picture in my mind exactly what the room with this treasure in it looks like or exactly you know eight of the nine steps i have to take to get there but the step that i'm missing is the first one mm-hmm. and and it was kind of like and this maybe among the most terrible references I've pulled yet on the show, but it was, <laughs> it was kind of like in the notebook where she has her entire life with him, like stored in her brain, but through the terrible and inexorable March of time has lost her ability to like access those memories. My point is uh, some of my playthrough, uh, you happened to be in my house, which was weird because yep. I don't recall inviting you over or letting you in. You were just, you were like here. You, yeah, you... no, actually, I, I, I vaguely remember just kind of like walking up to your house, knocking on the door, your wife graciously letting me in, assuming that you, that she knew that I was supposed to be there. Yeah. Nope. Nope. No idea. You know what? It, <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe uh, you're like a, a childhood urban legend where like mm. if I stare into a mirror and say link to the past five times mm-hmm. in the dark, like in, you know, in the darkened bathroom that you just like appear behind me and you're like, it's 500 rupees. And then you just disappear. <laughs> like whatever Zelda question I was thinking of, like I just say link to the past five times. And, but that's essentially what that experience was like is I was, I would be stuck on something. and I'd be like, Oh, I need to. And you'd be like, it's over there. It's in that corner of the map. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, right. Because then you start there and then, you know, B, C, D, E, F, H, I, and you know, like I could fill in the whole rest of it, but right. like there was just like four or five little things where I was like missing that first little step. And so I, I had all of the joy of grappling with why is so much of my brain dedicated to the minutia of this game 
And then I got to pair that with the joy of almost learning the game again because I had like lost little bits of it. It's a, a weird experience to be glad you forgot something you also are glad you remembered well. Well, it's, it's to me, it's kind of like um, the equivalent of like hopping on the Amazon when you're really tired or drunk and uh, and buying something. And then like all of a sudden it shows up at your house like two days later and you're like, <laughs> oh, right. And then you get like like that, like excitement again. You know, it's kind of like that where all of a sudden you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I get this like one th- whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, I remember uh, one of the, the stories of our playthrough of this was like you went into a cave and and you, you were like what, what's this altar for again i'm like oh yeah that's where you get you know double <laughs> double magic power and i was like dude you gotta go get the you, you gotta go get the magic dust and you're like ah yes and you got the magic dust and then there are like four or five <laughs> other things but never double backed to get the, the double magic power power and i was just like why, why didn't you do that and you're like oh those two things were related like i thought that you were just telling me random stuff to do i'm like no no th- those those two things were related i remember it because you were in the middle of walking down the hallway it was filled with spikes and you needed so many spikes and you needed that magic because you, you had <laughs> gotten through the area with all the spikes right you know but you would you well, would then you gotta go back <laughs> right and and like just staring back down the infinite hallway like how am i gonna get out of this i'm like i mean you're gonna die but you know okay yeah. sure, no good. i had a couple of fairies i made it um yep <laughs> yeah no and that that entire uh exchange was like what i remember fondly about about fourth grade to like seventh grade was mm. sitting in my house playing a game that is for all intents and purposes a single player game but with like my best friend there and like us talking about the game like yes I, I will never forget having a bunch of sticky notes up on Brian's wall when we were trying <laughs> to get uh, the Casey or whatever it's called, the, the super bat in Earthbound. So mm. the best weapon in the game, you have one and only one opportunity to get it. Hmm. And it is a one in 256 chance that when you beat this boss, he will drop this weapon. And so we just started keeping count of how many times we <laughs> killed the boss and like we were playing until way into the night and just making hash marks on sticky notes like prisoners. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like prisoners. <laughs> but it was like, it's the kind of thing that as an, you know, an 11 year old, you remember incredibly fondly. And like, yes. I was sitting on the floor, you know, controller in hand, you were on the couch behind me. You're like, dude, you were supposed to go back and, and get the double magic power. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. It's like, Oh man. <laughs> We're out of cinnamon life cereal. Like this, this is this is why adults smoke pot because they <laughs> they want to recapture that like kind of cloudy innocence of childhood. And really, yep. all they have to do is play games. Yeah, man, just just play games. Just that's 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 it. But so, top of the hour, man. Visuals just they're just stunning. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I, I, I could make a joke about like, oh no, they 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 totally <laughs> didn't hold up, whatever. But they they're just. They're just amazing. I don't, I don't know. I, I will say for one thing, I forgot that Link had like pink hair. Yeah, he def- has pink hair. <laughs> I for- definitely did not remember that at all until like I was playing. I was like, hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, right. here's the thing about the pink hair. There is a technological reason that that happened, and I, I've heard the story before. I can't remember exactly what it is, but there's 
he doesn't have pink hair because they were going in an edgy direction. Like they did it for a specific weird color palette reason. Here's the thing. I was, I don't know, 24 before (laughs) I like read like a blog post that was like, Oh, funny things they had to do in the 16 bit era of gaming. Like here's why, you know, link had pink hair. And I was like, what yeah no (laughs) like i probably played this game 40 times by then and was like literally how did i never notice this not like oh ha ha how did i no literally how did i never notice this yeah no i mean and and i think that that just goes to and and kind of sets the stage for all of the the visual choices that they made which was even when they are ridiculous or don't make any logical sense like they make the best choice that they can because for whatever reason for whatever technological reason they had to make his hair that specific color it in no way stands out i mean like literally if somebody said to me i mean when they did when they said you know link has pink hair right i was like no it's brown hair it's like not in link to the past i'm like (laughs) i mean i would have easily slapped at somebody i mean totally yeah, I mean, and just gotten gotten the teeth knocked out of my face, you know, just, I was just so sure. But no, I mean, like, all of the visuals, they're they're very, very crisp. They uh, they do a great job, um, you know, like, representing a world, representing variation in a world. I mean, just, it, it, and, and I mean, like, I'm sure we got, you've got tons of notes, I got tons of notes. But, like, <laughs> one of the things I think the visuals do really, really well is telegraphing, like, what you're supposed to do, you know? So, like, for example, um, in the very first plate, the very first dungeon to get into it, right? You run around the castle and then there's like, you know, a cobblestone brickway up to a bush, which is surrounded on all four sides by like brick, you know? So you, you've obvi- at this point, you've probably swung and hit a bush, right? So you know that they're destructible. And then it's like, look, look over here. Look at this big, you know, like they just, they, they, they just basically, I mean, the, it's, the it's a bullseye. Yeah, the cobblestones are basically arrows pointing at the thing, saying, like, this is out of the ordinary. It's the only thing that's in that area that's like that. And so it just really, they do a really great job with that because as a as a kid, I was like, oh, that's where I need to go. And I went and swung at it. Not that, like, I didn't feel like somebody was, like, dragging me by the ear and pointing at it. You know, like they do in modern gaming where they'd have, like, a little red arrow that says, like, bushes like these, like these, can be like, destroyed. Like, like they do in modern Zelda. I mean, the <laughs> I, I, I know you, you love Ocarina of Time, and I'm not here to crap all over Ocarina of Time, but, <laughs> but that Ocarina of Time up through Skyward Sword, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like the designers were just like, what if instead of making it obvious what you need to do, we made it obvious what you need to do, and then gave a bunch of unskippable prompts that tell you what to do in case you're an idiot, and and yeah. that that kind of like I will deal with unskippable prompt games. I mean, I've played Assassin's Creed. Like I will <laughs> I will play Waypoint the game because to a point that can be kind of fun. But the the trade off, like what I want in return, is for the information that I'm being force fed to be the only way that I could get that information. To have this beautiful visual design that steers you in some subtle and some less subtle ways toward what you should be going to and then also be you know like i mean this is where we get the meme of like hey listen like to also <laughs> be shoving that down my ear holes when i already know what to do because the the graphic designers did their damn job like that's that's <laughs> what made that so unacceptable and that's what makes 
the the level design and the I guess the whole world design in Link to the Past so good is they it's like here's all the information you need to know to solve this problem and if you don't we're gonna just let you run around in circles until you notice the cobblestones pointing at the bush yeah and i mean that was the thing is that i think that uh and we'll talk but we'll talk more about gating later but i think the fact that this is a very gated moment in the sense that like you you, the world is huge and if they gave you the whole huge world to explore and that was the only visual cue that they gave you the the chances of you like missing it and then spending hours upon hours like dinking around a world that you can't really interact with would be problematic but you've got about like three screens that you can you know interact with at that point in time right and so you're just kind of like all right it's not here it's not hmm maybe this thing and then you know (laughs) And then, and then you then you get it, and then you know, and, and and on top of that, I think, and to to your point, I I agree with you. I think that Ocarina of Time, as much as I loved it, um, deve- was the, since it was the first one in 3D, they developed a lot of good habits and definitely some bad habits. And the problem is that they never got rid of the bad habits. I think that they were afraid that now that it was a 3D world, that that would be too much, and so therefore they couldn't rely entirely on the player's ability to like find these things on their own in this vast 3d world. So they, so they gave you like the little like training wheels, but then the problem was that, you know, they never took the training wheels off. In fact, they put more training wheels on. So now you're a, you know, 35 year old with training wheels on the front and back of your bike, you know, tooling down the road. And you're like, why, why that's no fun. You know, that's not riding a bike. Yeah. So, um, so the fact though, that they, they, gated this very distinctly and said like no look we need to make sure that you're aware of this and also just respect the fact that respect you not even as a gamer but as a human you know (laughs) like that you're you're trying to progress forward so you are looking for things that can assist you in that i think that basically they just at this point in time they trusted gamers they trusted humans you know to like be humans yeah to have problem solving capabilities pattern recognition is super high up on the list of things that scientists think make us distinctly human yeah and unfortunately pattern recognition is also the thing that causes some really dumb stuff to happen in our brains as well also true like (laughs) but that's where we get like optical illusions and crazy crap well and also like but the the correlation equals causation considering that we are correlation machines it's like <laughs> some really weird logical leaps hey man if you want to recognize that the cobblestones lead to where you have to go then you got to pay the piper but it's true so i actually Which is why i follow cobblestones wherever they go <laughs> now <laughs> so, i actually have a specific note about the cobblestones because mm. not only does the cobblestones lead you to the bush and the bush is specifically called out in a way no other bush has been called out but on the other side so the the cobblestones go to the right of the main like door to the castle that you cannot mm-hmm. go through so you're like uh, i know that i need to go into the castle but like i can't go through this door if you look very carefully there's a left path and a right path and the left path does not have cobblestones Right, And if you go that way, you can go for a little bit and then there's nothing over there and it's a dead end and you have to turn around. But you probably, if you're a first time player, you're probably not even going to go that way because you're drawn toward the, it's like, oh, someone literally laid stones there because that's where I'm supposed to walk. 
It's yeah. not it's not like ah, there's sword marks on the wall and you have to notice that your uncle went that way so that you can go after him because there's been a struggle here. Like, oh, I'm supposed to walk on the the walking path. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's a walk it's, where people walk. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's super it, it's it's subconscious where you could do it completely automatically, but your brain has still filed away like Sometimes there are walking paths and they lead to places that I might want to go. Yes. And I mean, these are kinds of uh, tricks that I I don't think I think they were relatively canonized in uh, in two in 2D at the time when this came out. But like there are tons of little tricks that game devs can do to like reliably draw a player in a direction, you know, like one, one of the ones that they use the most often in modern gaming is light. You know, like we tend to head towards light, you know, so like if you you know, like put somebody in an area and then there's like a light off in the distance, they'll head in that direction. But yeah, I mean, and again, you know, if the question question is, are 100% of people going to follow the cobblestones and get to the answer first time right away? No. And I think that that's some of the problem with modern games is that that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to say like, well, everybody has to get the solution right away. It's like, no, what you need to do is you need to create a situation where some people will get it right away. More people will get it on the second try, third try, and so on and so forth. And you're always going to have outliers for some people that just don't get it at all. But the more that you like lower the bar, the less challenging, the less, the less you feel like you're playing a game, the more you feel like you're just being led around on a leash as, as per modern Zelda's like skyward sword, which I was happy enough to never have played well i mean the the modern final fantasies is where i learned the term hallway simulator because (laughs) because there are beautiful visuals in all directions like the the background is lovingly rendered and the the foreground is lovingly rendered and the characters are lovingly rendered and if you actually look at the map because all the modern final fantasies give you like a like a hud style map that's just on the screen all the damn time you can literally see the path that you're walking on, even though it's in like this lush forest. It could just be like between two office buildings or like <laughs> I'm in Frank's office and I need to go to Mary's office. And this is the hall, what the hall looks like. So it's you have this feeling of being able to go anywhere and do anything. And as long as you never actually indulge that feeling, then you can continue to it, it's almost like uh as long as you have absolutely no follow-up questions question, yeah it's 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 almost like people who um engage in like the worst kinds of tourism where they like mm-hmm. go to some they're like from a rich country and they go to like an impoverished country and they're like oh i really learned what it was like to be you know in such a terrible part of the world and it's like no you didn't like <laughs> no more than you learn what it's like to live in mexico by going on the mexico ride at epcot like <laughs> it's that's not that's not what being able to explore the world is like and and the legend of zelda only has these narrow hallways or link to the past only has these narrow hallways for like literally this first dungeon like there's only i think the three screens or whatever to get into the first dungeon and then you mm-hmm. go through the first dungeon and then you just have the whole world and you can just wander anywhere and die and do whatever you want. Well, now, interestingly, so, I mean, th- this is a little bit more into mechanics, but uh, one of the things that is, uh, is, is that I found is that the thing is that it, it does, it absolutely feels that way. But the thing is that you, like, 
actually unlock only about if you include okay so if you say like that the light world is half of the world right mm-hmm. so then you actually only unlock about 30 percent of it because there are totally areas that you can't get to until like you get like the titan's mitt or something like that you know that's true but you know you don't know that you can't go all the way to the bottom left corner of the map until you get about 40 percent of the way and right. you and you don't know that you can't go all the way up to certain parts of where there's water until you get like 40 to 60 percent of the way so it's true that the the actual entire map is not accessible to you but I don't know. It's like the the entire map is accessible to you, but you don't have the right equipment. It as opposed to you trying to go left and the game being like, "Link, it's not time to go left." Because right. I mean, there are totally games that do that where oh, yeah. it's like like, "Oh, we need to go to town and towns over here, but I'm going to go over this other way first." And the game is like, "But don't we need to go to town?" And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get there when I'm friggin' ready. You're a video yeah. game. Time yep. doesn't happen here. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And the reason why, uh, the only reason why I bring it up is because I think that that puts the game into manageable chunks. Because if all of a sudden, like, the whole, to me, like, if the whole game were, were suddenly, like, available to you, then it would actually make you much more likely to just kind of, like, touch on everything on, like, a surface level, you know? Whereas, you know, you kind of get to this area and you're like, hmm, all right, I can't get there. But there's clearly stuff going on over there. I want to get over there. So I'm going to go, like, look around in this area. And then, like, you, you, you do. You explore in the areas that you can't explore. And you find the means by which to get to these other areas, which, like, feel rewarding because they are not narratively locked away from you. They are mechanically locked away from you. You, the player do not have the ability to get to those areas yet, you know, as opposed to saying like the game saying like, well, like you said, with the hall hallway simulator where, where it's, it's, you know, you're in this giant virtual hallway and the game just basically is saying you can't go in all these other directions because, you know, the story is driving you in this direction. It's like, no, 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 you can absolutely go there when you are, you, the player are powerful enough to get there and you will be. Just give it some time, you know, like find find the things you need to get there. Well, and to, to kind of circle this back on visuals a little bit is I, I like your point that you want to go, you know, up in Death Mountain or you want to go swimming or you want to go like into the desert, which is blocked off by like the, the rocks with the Titan Mitten. Like, like I want to go do these things. How am I going to remember all this? And this is where uh, the visuals, I think, play a really strong role because if the world was large enough that the environment ever made sense in a video game the world would be way too big and you Mm. would just fast travel everywhere and it would be boring so the fact that death mountain and the water area and the desert and each of these places are visually distinct means you can remember exactly like the cramped part where the mountains come together and you have to use the titan mint to lift up the rock like Mm -hmm. that stands out visually in your mind so that even though it would probably be convenient in some ways if you could like leave markers on the map or maybe, I don't know, like do, you, do were you ever one of those kids who like actually took notes on like pen and paper? I did that sometimes. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's <laughs> like sometimes like you're just like, ah, I'm going to just jot this down, but there's enough of a visual uh, 
kind of like clear visual cues um the 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 mallet things the the pegs mm-hmm. that you can hammer down with a mallet those are a perfect example because the second you get the mallet your brain washes you over with images of everywhere in the light world you saw those pegs yep and and you're like I remember every peg I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, and I must go hammer them all. Hammer all the pegs. Now, yes, let, let us talk for a moment of visual affordances because <laughs> this game has them in abundance. So, like, for example, let's just go, go to a good, good old, good old, nice one, like the, the Titans, man, right? Um, so basically like the first time, so, you know, you're, you're, you're Link, you know, you go around, you pick up some pots, you break them because you're a jerk. Um, and that's that's super fun. Right. And then you go outside and you're like, you know, what's even more fun than breaking pots, bashing people over the heads with stones, which real fast, quick tangent, um, stones are more powerful than the master sword, which kind of makes sense because you're taking these huge stones and just bludgeoning people to death with them. Cause that's a thing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think, uh, I think thrown objects all have the exact same damage because there's a lot of dungeons with pots in them and i can't tell you how many enemies i made a point to only fight with pots (laughs) until i got the the more powerful versions of the sword because i was like man i don't i don't want to fight this enemy Ooh, a pot and then i would just murder him with a pot yes yes and then like like thoroughly stand over him like oh you think you're so bad like i'm just not like picturing like link backlit you know with like like just like the one a new pot in hand and like an already broken pot like over an enemy he's like get up please you know no more no more pots (laughs) but anyway so so yes you 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 learn immediately pretty quickly that you can pick stuff up great so then you know you can pick up like these stones that's pretty cool and then there's like a big stone and you're like oh man and then you go to pick it up and you're like hmm can't pick that up maybe i can move it push it pull it whatever you try it you just you know sweat like crazy you know can't do it you're like huh whatever and then you get the titan's mitt and it goes like hey this makes you a lot stronger and you're like pick up the big rocks you know i mean that's literally like the the thing is just like oh this gauntlet makes me stronger the first thing i want to do is go find those big rocks find, find all the things i couldn't pick up and try to pick them up which is what you do you go pick up those big rocks and then you go try to pick up a dark rock and it's like nah super psych dude you're still not strong enough and then you get the even more powerful ones like now you can pick up those big rocks and you're like oh my god where were all of them and like you said like like they all just come rushing back to you except for like maybe like one or two that you might forget yeah, gotta go look go for them those too yeah, but then it basically, like, to me, it, it what it does is it repaints the entire world, which is just delightful because every new item that you get, it it makes the – you want to re-explore the entire world because you know, like, where you saw a couple of those, like, dark-shaped rocks, but, like, what about some of the – maybe you're missing one. Maybe you're not thinking of one. You go and you find it, and even if it just gives you a heart container, which isn't mechanically super incentivizing, it's still – it's a reward, and it's – it's it's and, and the fact that, that any time you get a new item, your brain can immediately say, like, this is a good way to make this item interact with the world is – amazing and they mostly do that through visual affordances yes and uh that's why the few times the graphics completely fall down i got like super angry (laughs) so here's a couple times the graphics completely fell down for me um in the the when you're in the dark world and you're getting all the crystal maidens or uh-huh. you're freeing them, I guess. Uh, in in the sixth one, which I'm gonna call Crystal Cave. In Crystal Cave Six, 
that's when you have to do like a lot of it's it's like a tall thin one you have to do a lot of like falling down holes yep and yeah and, that was rough yeah and i don't remember if you were here or if you and i were just talking when i was in there i think we were just talking um but i was like i know how this puzzle is solved because the the solution to the puzzle is obvious i am up above the thing i need to fall down to but i don't see a place for me to fall down so in link to the past there's like this uh selective z axis where sometimes you're up above stuff and sometimes you're on the same level as it but more or less it's it's mostly flat right but you can go up and down stairs and you can fall down some holes and some mm-hmm. of those holes lead you to places that that is the only way to get there and there are puzzles you have to solve by falling down holes and the way the game communicates to you that a hole is safe for you to fall in is there's like a texture which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like the ground at like the floor below and in Crystal Cave 6, for some reason, there's a hole you have to jump in that does not have that texture. And that yep. pissed me off because the yep. entire game, right? Like this is the third to last dungeon, right? The entire game up until this point has been, as far as I can recall, 100% consistent. Holes with this texture are safe. Holes without this texture kill you or hurt you. Right. And and so when I was like, dude, I just can't figure out, you were like, well, you have to jump in a hole. And I was like, but there aren't any holes that you could jump. <gasps> oh, my God. And like <laughs> ran up like three flights of stairs and then flung myself into this hole. And then instead of taking damage, it loads me onto the next floor I needed to be on. It was just like <laughs> so angry because it it feels like an intentional choice. Like the designer's. Mm-hmm. I do not think this is a glitch or a bug. I honestly believe the designers were like, hey, you know what? We're going to make one hole in the game. You yep. have to jump in. That does not look like it's the kind of hole that's safe to jump in. And and I think part of the reason they could get away with that is because presumably by this point in the game, you have so much health that throwing yep. yourself into the hole would only knock you down half a heart. And it's like, you know what? Just try it. You've tried everything else. Just just die. You could just die. <laughs> <laughs> or die. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean honestly, I think that the only possible excuse because first of all, I was in your house when you said that because I was like I remember being like you got to you got to go in that hole and you were like what? And I was like no. no I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um but no, I mean like I I can't think of a good excuse for it other than the fact that like the only excuse I could think is that it would be too easy, you know, because like you said, like you've seen so many holes with the textures in it. They're like, you just would have walked into the room, seen a hole with the texture in it, and then just immediately jumped, dropped down into it and then like gotten the, and then solved the puzzle. But if the puzzle's too easy, make a more difficult puzzle that still follows the same rules. And and that is why it, it feels a little bit cheap, but they do it that one and only one time in a game that is, otherwise full of masterfully designed puzzles that I have virtually no complaints about. So I'm like, well, it's a really small room. There is literally nothing else to do or try. So, okay, I guess like this is probably intentional that they took the texture away. Like I'll, I'll make my piece with it, but it, it is, it's, it's the clean white wall with a single, you know, red spot on it. Like you can't help but notice it. Yeah. And so, um, while we're talking, not not about visuals that, that fell flat for us, but um, I do want to touch on uh, just 
just how each of the dungeons has their com- a, a completely unique feel to it, you know? Like, yeah, we've we've come a long way since the days of Zelda One. That was like, what if all the same textures but a slightly different shade of green or brown? <laughs> and I mean, they, it, it was a way more limited system, but it's nice the amount yeah. of thought they put into these these visuals in in the dungeons, the theming. Yes, no, all of the, the dungeons feel like unique and interesting, and they're they're super fun and enjoyable to like go through. You know, because like, there's you know the the ice dungeon, and then you know, and so with that one, you're like, oh, I need my like the fire rod, and then you know, there's the uh, uh, like weird magic dungeon, and you know, there's the uh, like the fire dungeon. But the one one of the ones that I love the most because the both because of the visuals and the mechanics behind it was um the I'm gonna call it the undead one, which is where like there were all of the uh the zombies and stuff, but it's the one in the lost woods where half of the dungeon is in the overworld. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's uh the, the Dark World Lost Woods. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Dark World World Lost Woods. That dungeon is awesome because it's so rare, especially in Zelda games or in games like this, that you see them say like, Yeah, but what if what if you didn't just like walk into the dungeon and it just it was all dungeon like what if you had to go back in and out of like the the real world you know and and I thought that was like really really clever because if you had to do that where you you went back into the real world and then it really spanned it ex- was the entire expanse of the real world that would be way too much yes but like <laughs> it, it basically what they do is they were like here's the entrance to the dungeon and it brings you back into the overworld, but in an area of the overworld, you can really only access through the dungeon, you know? So it's, it really is just another floor in the dungeon, but by, by having the visuals of like, and the music and all that sort of stuff about being in the overworld, it really does make it feel like the dungeons in harmony with the world. It makes it feel like it's a part of the world, not just like a sub universe, you know, which I really appreciate it. I mean, inside buildings, inside dungeons, inside, you know, story events, like whenever you go from the overworld into a location, there's often that feeling of like, I've gone into the TARDIS and it's you know <laughs> way, way, way bigger on the inside. And, and that that's fine. Like, it's just a video gamey thing. Like, I get why they do that. But uh, they even prime you for this moment earlier in the game because mm-hmm. uh, the third, second, second, second pendant, yep. um, makes you go outside but it's not it's not like to solve any puzzles you just walk outside and then you walk into another door but you had to go outside to get to that door and it's just you can almost if this game was on the 64 you could hear navi being like oh well link we had to go outside make sure to remember that for later (laughs) like and it'd be super annoying but instead you're just like oh wow that was that was kind of striking. The first dungeon I went in, I didn't have to go outside. And then the subsequent, you know, eight dungeons you go into, you don't have to go outside. But then you get to one where you're like, wait, am I back outside? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, so, and they do such a great job, like continually priming you for stuff like that. But I felt that specifically with the visuals, that that, that does a good job making you feel like these aren't just that this these dungeons are a part of the world not like a stage within the world which is something that i feel a lot of even modern games with all of the you know graphical power that we can issue forth towards this end 
you know, like fall flat on because, you know, even with just a top down, you know, 16 bit game, they can make these dungeons really feel like they're in tandem with the world. For example, um, I forget which one it is, like the numbers, because there's, there's there's just so much content in this game. <laughs> but the one where um, you uh, you you have the the false maiden, right? Who's the oh, thief. yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. You got to so- shine the light with the bomb. Yep, exactly. So you have to like go up into like a higher level, dis- destroy something, which then alters the the light that's passing through, which is is really interesting, and then go back down and like bring bring it into the light, and then it turns into like an, an evil demon again. That makes you feel like no, this is all one giant layout that affects itself. And actually, um, you can totally get if I remember correctly, you can get up there and just do your thing and then go get the maiden and then bring her into the area and then it turns into the demon but you can get to the maiden before you go up into that area which i know i did and i can't remember if you did uh i don't think that i did because i i knew when i got to that dungeon i was like i know exactly what's expected of me yep so like i you know just for forgot or whatever i got the maiden so i was like she was following me around i was like and i remembered that i had to like shine light on her you know um so I was like, oh, that's right. I've got to go upstairs. So I started to do that. And she says, she'll, she'll say to you, I can't, I refuse to go up there, you know, nice. and she'll leave and she leaves, you know, nice. like, like you, you oh, go because, up and because the hallway on the way to where you bomb has windows in it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, she goes like, no, I refuse to go up there. And you're like, uh, I'm going up there. And so then you go up there and she's just not with you anymore. You go collect her again. And it's just like, no, that's this nice little thing that like really fleshes out the world you know well and sunlight is an incredibly simple but just really deeply humanly and powerful way to to say like by the way the this building you're in there is an outside like yes because there's windows and there's light coming in through the windows so even though you can't open the window and climb out and you're in a, a specific part of the map like it's not anything ridiculous like that but just saying Oh, you're in a building and the building has windows and light from outside because it's daytime or is coming in through the windows. Even that is enough to make it feel like you're not in a pocket dimension. You are in a building that's in the world. Exactly. Just like little little things like that that they do to, to really flesh out the world. And while we're talking, let's just talk about the amazing little tweaks they make between the light world and the dark world visually. Well, okay, so I'm glad you you want to talk about this because this is another one of the things that pissed me off. Like, really, on my list of like three things I don't like about the visuals in this entire game. Um, well, I don't I, like you, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, considering all of the stuff in this game to have like three complaints for visuals is pretty three too many. Pre- three too many lions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, go kill yourself. Um, <laughs> We're not friends anymore. Um, so, <laughs> so oh, man, dude, how but how late would that have kept you up at night if just one time Navi said that and then nowhere else in Ocarina did she ever say it again? You know, like, hey, kill yourself. You'd be like, what? Hey, listen. What? No, wait. What was the last thing? Hey, listen. No. No. What did you say before <laughs> that? Like, was it a uh, uh, what was the one after Ocarina? The one with the scary moon face? <laughs> Jorah's mask. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda: Scary Moonface. Uh, there's a there's an internet legend about a cursed cartridge, and like 
all this like it's the cartridge is supposed to be like haunted by a little girl it's like it's one of those things that when you no matter how old you are when you read it it's a well-written enough stupid story that you just kind mm. of find yourself under a blanket with a flashlight yeah it, right 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 like and the, like th- this is exactly like that like you can imagine who out of your friend group would have been at the lunch table insisting swearing on their mother's grave that one time they were playing at like three in the morning and if you're in this certain part of the temple at this certain time of night but not in the game in real time then you can get navi to say hey listen go kill yourself and like that that's how those kinds of things start and then the internet just made it a billion times worse so 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 here here's what you do right is you totally get like a little you know doodad recorder like a, even even just you know even a bluetooth microphone put it behind the speakers to the tv record a navi like like just like a good impersonation of navi saying hey listen go kill yourself right <laughs> And then just convince your friend to play Ocarina of Time and then just ping it at some point, you know, like at like two in the morning. This is a fairly expensive and sophisticated. I think I feel like it'd be easier to just hide in his closet and then like throw something at him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But but that's the thing is then, then, you know, like that's that's the boo scare. This is the the thing that that sticks with you, you know. But anyways, we we digress. I, I like your. You're like, yeah, I really like my pranks to be more life ruining. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, come on. I mean, anybody can jump out of the closet and say, boo, only only a good prankster can make you question your meaning in the world. It's good. Love it. So on uh, on Death Mountain, which is the first place you are when you see the dark world, mm-hmm. uh, which was what is what was its name before Ganon screwed it up? Is it the Golden Land? Yes. That place. So it's the you're on Death Mountain the first time you see the Dark World, and there's these little, uh, like boulder things, like tiny volcanoes. Yeah. And and depending on if you're walking, I think yeah, side to side, the lava flows out of them normally. And if you're moving up and down, reverse that. If I'm wrong. But if yeah. you're if you're moving on one axis, it looks normal. If you're moving on the other axis, it like freaks out. Yeah, <laughs> it no, goes it, like it, a million miles an hour. Yeah, it does. It actually, to me, it goes so fast. It looks like it's entering the volcano now. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that is in fact too legit to quit. Um, <laughs> But that being said, I I don't know why, and this is definitely this this is one hundred percent nostalgia goggles. I I I actually enjoyed that because I would enjoy just like and then just like making it go back into the thing and be like yeah and then just like that's, that's, I like yeah. I said, but that's no here to be fair. It is it is a a glitch in the vi- visuals that definitely takes you out of the game and reminds you that it's a game. Yeah, and 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 here's the thing. Um, I also did that. <laughs> So even though this is a visual that I would say like sticks out in my mind as a broken visual, I still actually kind of remember it fondly and enjoyed it on this playthrough. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. Like it just gives you like some kind of, like I, all of a sudden you're like link lava God, you know, like <laughs> I have, I have not many powers, but one thing I can do is make this lava that perpetually flows out of the volcano flow back into the volcano sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 
but only when I want to. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so, so as a as a note, because I have a, a specific uh, one little visual note about the the dark world that I want to get to. But as far as like big overarching, I mean, like I thought that I I'm a huge fan, and it could very well be because of this game. Um, of this type of visual imaging where it's it's the the same world but with like a a twist you know um and and i mean like ocarina did it with like the future world um uh, stranger things with the upside down you yeah. know like i really really enjoy that because again you know basically for the bulk of it you know they just like took the entire they took all the exi- existing assets copy paste and for you know a lot of the areas they, they were like and palette swap yeah, make you know? it make it brown yeah make it brown was and it, then like was it brown make it browner yeah <laughs> make it the most brown <laughs> but um but and i mean and for a lot of the but then you know so like i said for vast swat vast swaths it's like that but then there are other areas where they're completely different you know so it really makes it feel like fun and enjoyable to explore the two worlds, especially when uh, I think it's temple number three or four, but the water temple, um, the start of the hateful water temples, um, <laughs> where you you go into the light world, do something, and it impacts the dark world because then do, they only do that like a handful of times, but it does, again, those little little visual and mechanical things make these two worlds feel linked, which makes the entire world feel huge. You know, it's not like either or it's just kind of like, so, so you, you, you'll spend time being like, Ooh, what if I do this and then go into the light world? Nothing. All right. But what if I do this and then go into the white world? Nothing. All right. But what if I do this and something, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but it just, I don't know, man. It just, it makes the world feel so much r- richer. And again, for such a low impact on the visual, like in the memory of the game, you know, like they didn't have to do a tremendous amount to make the the dark world feel dark and foreboding and evil, you know. Well, I I like that you specifically noted Stranger Things because this and and actually even in Ocarina, because when you go into the future in Ocarina of Time, like everything's done, screwed up, like it's bad, things are not yep. good. Whereas in the dark world, I I I would suppose maybe the visual designers were like oh this is like the dark and evil world but i don't really feel like it is because the only thing in the dark world that is evil and hateful is ganon and then like there's just some people who are like jerks (laughs) but like that's not that unusual and and what i'm what i'm really getting at here is the thing about the dark world is it does not feel scary and evil and terrifying the way like the upside down does compared to like normal earth in stranger things the dark world just feels like a a less friendly more hostile Mm. kind of of it's it's like if if the kingdom of hyrule was like a lawless like unfinished you know hellscape but there's still people living there. Like they're just mm. kind of going about their lives and, and just like doing their thing. And, and I sort of like that because it's not, it's not like, Oh, we have to destroy the dark world and kill everyone in it. It's almost like we have to save the dark world and everyone in it. Like there are people here. Well, and that's actually like, like the, the, the goal, the quest is that, you know, it's just kind of like 
Ganon turns this place awful by virtue of being Ganon. Um, so we need to make it now not awful, not destroy everyone in it. You know, right. um, I do think that they do because, uh, like, I I think that I, I think that you can definitely say that that you know it's not evil it's not like the upside down where like everything in there needs to be burned to the ground absolutely but i do think that they do a good job like right off the top letting you know like because what i think that they do well is this point through the first three levels right so at this point you're through the first three levels and you you're starting to get comfortable with the game you know you're comfortable with the mechanics you've got the master sword you know you've got like some more hearts you know you know what you're doing and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, now we're going to put you in the dark world. And you're like, okay, that sounds ominous. <laughs> and then, and then so like you, you come off of a giant like pyramid where you're like, okay, this is kind of, this is definitely architecture that I am unfamiliar with in relation to this game, you know? And then the very first thing that happens is uh giant um, cyclo- cyclopean bomb throwers attack you and 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 pigmen throw like spears at you and stuff like that so all of a sudden you're like whoa this is and and there's nothing human you know yeah just only um, humanoid exactly they're they're all humanoid but they're not human and some of them are like giant fish creatures that come at you so <laughs> all of those visuals are very alien you know so it makes you the player like again uncomfortable you know so, which I like because you know it's 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 saying like good you you got comfortable that's fine. There's still a whole lot more before you are the the hero, you know, and and I for a game that with you know the constraints they're dealing with, I thought that they did a good job leveraging those visuals and leveraging the way they hit you with them because if you think about it, right, like you know you've seen at that point in the light world, all that there is to see for the most part, you know, like you've seen, probably seen some Zoras, you've seen some monsters, you know, all that, you know, some Octoroks, all that good stuff, right? Been to the one town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the the one, one village, Kakariko village, you know, probably, probably got beaten to death by some roosters, you know, the, the whole, all the experience. So can I, can I interrupt you for a second about that? Sure. Because I was wondering when during the episode that was going to come up. I mean, it's got to, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got. So I'm in town, you know, and, and like is often the case, you know, Sue is, is behind me and she's hearing the heinous noise of me just wailing on this chicken. <laughs> and <laughs> she finally, because it takes a while, like you have to really yeah. choke that chicken before anything goes wrong. And she finally goes, says something like, what are you doing? What is that noise? (laughs) And and I kind of come out of like, you know, my 11 year old self and realize like, oh, I'm not alone in my bedroom in my childhood home. I'm in my 30s in my living room with my wife. And so I'm, I'm like, well, I can either play this off like super cool and be like, oh, yeah, there's this kind of funny thing I, I wanted to show you. Or I can just admit that inside I'm still a child, and I went with the ladder, and I was just like, watch. (laughs) (laughs) I just continue to wail on this chicken until all the chickens show up, which I'm glad I did, not just because it was funny and delightful and I enjoyed it, not just because she was just like, what the hell is happening? But it is the one place in the game where they totally sacrificed 
what the Super Nintendo was capable of for a little bit of enjoyment because the frame rate. Oh, yeah, it drops. <laughs> drops to like four frames per second. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so, so shockingly bad. But the the visual of just chickens just coming from all directions, just trying to hate cluck you. Like, it's it's just, <laughs> oh, God, it's so satisfying. I only did it once in the whole playthrough. I only did it once, yep. but I had to get it in there. And I'm really glad Susan was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, no, t- I mean, I kind of did something similar. I-, I was, in fact, alone when I did it, but I was just kind of like, well, you know what time it is. It's time for chicken getting, you know, and just like walked <laughs> over and just like beat beat the hell out of that chicken until he he summoned, until he sang the song that ended the world, you know? <laughs> but yeah, no, you got to do that. But uh, anyway, so so like I said, though, you, you, you've gotten all the visuals, you know, you, you, you've you seen all of it that there is to see. And so then all of a sudden, you know, the Aghanim's like, Aghanim, is that the right way to pronounce that? Uh, the wizard. The wizard. Um, the wizard. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, he, he's like, to the dark world with you. And so you get kicked there. And then, like, you're immediately smashed with, like, several bizarre visuals, like, right in a row. Like I said, like, giant pyramid. And then three new enemy types are all in that area, right? And there actually aren't that many more enemy types that you deal with, right? But you get three of them all in that area. And, like, all the grass is different. All the colors are different. The area is completely different. It really... It, it in a way like kind of overloads your brain to say like like look at all of this stuff you still don't know you know and so then like you're like oh oh okay and then not to mention the fact that the guy throwing bombs at you is nigh impossible to kill at that point and deals you obscene sums of damage you know you're just kind of like i i i, I feel I, i'm scared again I'm, which is good i'm because- less ready for this than i had previously thought <laughs> right which is good because they need to realign you into that space to be like no you're not you're not done, not by a long shot. You know, and I didn't, I didn't think about this before, and this would have made an excellent segue into audio if I didn't have a couple other things to say about the visuals. But mm. when you fight Agamemnon there, and mm-hmm. uh, you walk into the room where he has Zelda, and he's like, oh, cool, you're just in time for me to maybe murder Zelda. And she floats up into the air, and then he hits her with the lightning and she like she you know she's all like glowy and then she bamfs into the dark world and i think he says something like oh, i'm gonna seal her away or something so like you as the player i think have the information that he didn't just murder her but that visual is striking there is nothing else in the entire game that looks like him sending zelda into the dark world and it's 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 a unique animation with the the lightning around her. It's a unique ish sound effect. It's similar to another sound effect, but I think like they tweaked it a little bit. And uh, something I didn't even think of till just now, which is why I say this would have made a great segue if I didn't have other things to say about visuals, is uh, up until this point, if you have the Zora flippers, I almost said slippers. If you have the <laughs> the chopped off Zora feet. And you have gone into any of the little whirlpools, you have heard the noise that it makes when you like teleport somewhere. And that is Mm -hmm. the last sound you hear after the explodey noise when all the lightning is around Zelda. Because there's there's lightning and explodey noise, Mm. and then it goes and and it's because oh, she's not dead. He has just bamfed her somewhere. But you 
as the player are a little panicked because you're like, aha, I have the master sword. I'm here to save Zelda. Oh crap. She's dead. Wait, is she dead? (laughs) Dude, I just got the master sword. Did you just kill my maybe girlfriend? Like what, what just happened? And then like he runs away and you got to chase him and you got to like cut the curtain down, which is kind of neat. And then, you know, you go and you fight him with the bug catcher net because you're a smart ass. Yep. And like, and it's fine. And then like you end up in the dark world, but like the, the fact that you, once you're in the dark world, you are immediately unsettled, I think is actually the unsettling icing on Mm. the unsettling cake of watching Zelda maybe get murdered. Like, You charged in Mm. thinking like, aha, I'm the hero. I have the master sword. I'm about to save the day. And then you super do not save the day. And then right when you think like, aha, at least I beat the bad guy. He's like wrong and sends you to the dark world where every random enemy walking around can deal almost your entire health bar and damage. Like you, you go from a very high place to an exceptionally low place in only about three major steps and it's just it's it's mechanically really rich but it's visually very very well done absolutely no agreed completely and it's a great like beginning of act two you know um the one final note i had for visuals um was a uh bunny link (laughs) um i like bunny link uh But sp- I also like Bunny Link. <laughs> but specifically because, um, and and they they call it out to you, which is that you know, like the, uh, the dark world changes you into whatever is in your heart, you know. Mm. So, I but I I kind of like that as as a kid, and I think that it still serves a good note as an adult, which is that Link is not. It's it's letting the player know it's like. Link and you are not doing this out of a sense of like bloodlust or out of a sense of glory or anything like that. You're doing it because it's something that needs to be done deep, deep down. You're, you know, you're a little bunny, you know, that's, that's what's in your heart. Like, like Link, if not for the call to action would have enjoyed just being, you know, whatever it is that he and his uncle do. Uh, Pot smashers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he would have yeah. just been been fine to just stay at home doing pot, you know. Yeah. Well, and and that actually, I'm I'm glad you said that because that jives with with one of my last notes here, which is I love his goofy walk cycle. Like when when Link walks and his like hat and hair kind of flop, like he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't walk in a perfectly like even way. Like if you look at some video game like walk cycles the eyes of the character stay perfectly level, mm-hmm. which no one really moves like that. Like that's why when you watch first person footage, it's very disorienting because you don't feel your body swaying, but you in reality, your eyes are like bobbing up and down all the damn time. But yeah, your brain just corrects for it because otherwise it'd be super disorienting and we'd probably get eaten a lot. Yeah. <laughs> life would just be puking everywhere. <laughs> and, and it would not be pleasant, but but Link has this like almost dopey walk cycle where he's just like bouncy, like hey, I'm off save Zelda. Like it's it's kind of it's not. <laughs> oh boy, here I go saving Zelda again. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And like his his hat flops and like his hair kind of bobs, and it just it it makes him 
literally everything you do everywhere. Cause I mean, the game starts with him in bed, like tucked in while his uncle is like getting the call, mm-hmm. you know, from, from like the, the maiden's bloodline is like calling the hero's bloodline. And, right. and Link is like snuggled in bed and then gets up and has this like dopey walk. And then like when he goes into the, to the dark world, he, deep down, he's like a cuddly pink bunny. Like, and I love that through line of, of little visual cues that like even his little shield, like a little starter shield is like so pointless. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really more of like a buckler. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the sword you get from your uncle is literally actually shorter than the master sword, like a checked because it was bothering me how many times I was whiffing on enemies. But, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, get good. Yeah. Get um, get, get good, you. <laughs> um, no, and actually, too, it just suddenly makes me think of uh, Dragon Ball Z Abridged where, you know, uh, Goku is fighting against the androids and he starts having a heart attack. He's like, Piccolo, tag in. And then, like, Piccolo <laughs> goes and he just drops immediately. Oh, go on, tag in. Like, like so, so Zelda's like, okay, Uncle, tag in. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, he died. Hey, Link, tag in. And actually, this takes me to my the the the, the very final. I, I this just is in this section, but is that there are two types of people in this world: people who name their character Link, and everybody else who I assume are monsters. But <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, man. Like like when it was like name, like choose your name. I was like, well, it's Link. Really? I would think you, of all people, would be like, no, I am Link. And, and like, <laughs> bequeath upon him your name. Hmm. I did. Yeah, nope. <laughs> you called yours David? Lions. Lions? Yeah, no, no. Went, went with Link. I, I, with you know, I, when I play RPGs, I usually, uh, I would say I almost always, the first pass, everybody gets to keep their name. Which is why mm-hmm. I find games where the characters are nameless to be like mind blowingly frustrating. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who you are yet. I don't know which one of my friends to name you after. Don't do this to me. Like, but then after you've played the game several times, you're like, ah, this, you know, this warrior is just like my friend Jane, and this magic user is just like Bill, and whatever. Or like, you, it's like, oh, this is the asshole who betrays you. I'm going to name him after the asshole who betrayed me. Like, <laughs> so I can enjoy stabbing him. I, I, I will admit I've done the, uh, the in, in RPGs naming naming after friends thing a couple of times. Although my favorite naming schema that I've ever seen is uh, our, our friend Frank, when he was playing um, Final Fantasy Tactics, he started the game. He got all the like nondescript characters, right? He kept them through the entire game, made them all like 99th level monks, named them after DBZ characters. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Frank. Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. It's like it, a lot of, a lot of work, but, 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 but worth it. Yeah. Like totally, totally worth but it. You, and I mean, Frank is to Final Fantasy Tactics as, someone who is dangerously addicted to heroin is to heroin. So I'm sh- I'm sure that every single second he spent getting those nameless losers up to level 99 when he had people like Orlando just sitting on the bench doing nothing. Yeah. He was, nope. pre- he probably loved every second of it. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I do have one other, uh, one other quick thing I wanted to kind of ask you about with the, the, the visuals, because the, I mean, these, these graphics are the kind, and I said this exact same thing about Super Mario World. Like 
these are the kind of graphics that people think about when they think fondly about pixel art. Yes. So like, absolutely. I could write a friggin' PhD thesis about how much I just enjoy the way the items look, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. the treasure chests and the trees and the, and like, it's just all great. But there's something that I noticed on this playthrough that I'm fairly confident I never noticed before. And to, to discuss this, I have to ask you an important question. When you were a kid, your Super Nintendo controller, did you have mm-hmm. a Super Nintendo style or did you have a Super Famicom style? Super Nintendo style. With the purple buttons? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I had one of each. I had the, the one that came with the Super Nintendo, but then I also had an aftermarket one that was made to look like the Japanese ones. I didn't know that that's what it looked like as a kid, but... I now looking back, I'm like, oh, it had the same, you know, the four bright colors of the Super Famicom buttons. Well, here's mm. the thing. When you pause the game and mm-hmm. and the item screen comes down, mm-hmm. the the things you can equip, the outside of the box is green, like the Y button. And there's a big green Y in the corner of that box. Mm-hmm. And the things that you can uh, use as like your like your ancillary crap. Like that box on the menu screen is red, like the A button, which was red. And hmm. and I just like I noticed that because like I paused the game to like turn and say something to Susan, and then I turned to look back to her or to look back at the screen, and I had to like reach down and pick the controller up off the floor, and I was like, wait, there's like a big Y on the menu, and an A. And that box is green, and this button is green, and that box is red, and this button is red. what? <laughs> like how? How? How did I never notice this? And and this is, I mean, you they wouldn't. There's no reason to localize this. What were they going to make it two shades of purple for right. stupid American kids? No, stupid American kids. You just didn't get <laughs> the coolness that cool Japanese kids got. Like, but that's that is the kind of incredibly subtle attention to to detail in the i mean throughout the game but in in this case specifically in the visuals that i was just like yes yes yeah like this is thoughtful because every single time i pause the game i'm just subliminally being reminded like hey all of these things if you press y this thing happens and all these things if you press a that thing happens just in case you were wondering don't forget yep. because it's super important that you know what happens when you press these buttons. Okay, buddy, get out there and save the princess. Like I just, oh man, I love it. Like the second I noticed that, I just like pushed the controller aside and just notes, notes, notes into our shared doc. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the world needs to know that I recognize this is happening. Yeah, no, I mean, like it, it just, it, it, it just shows that in every. St- in every way possible, they are trying to give you all of the tools that you need to overcome the obstacles they are putting in front of you. They are not trying to beat you. They are trying to give you what you need to beat them, which is the indicative of a good a good game developer and a good game. Uh, uh, okay, we, we got to start talking about sound at some point. Now seems like a good time. Sure. Um so sound, uh, and and as usual, you know, my notes aren't super strong on sound, but uh, like, I, I just, I mean, all of this is just so, such iconic music, you know. So from I, I, didn't, I didn't really notice the music in this game. No, hmm. <laughs> odd. No, kill yourself. <laughs> hey, hey, kill yourself. <laughs> what? 
Wait, what What was that? <laughs> oh, I was just asking what you thought about the music in this game. Oh, I thought, sorry, I thought I heard like a, a Navi thing. Huh, weird. Uh, that won't keep me up at night. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So uh, yeah, no. So I mean, overall, I mean, the music is just is, it's it's just fantastic. I thought that um, that there was a good uh, difference between you know the music in like the overworld versus the music in dungeons, specifically also versus the music the overworld music in um, in uh, in the dark world. You know, I like that they you know because you know obviously you've got the very iconic you know for you know the overworld in the main area right. Uh, in in the light world but then i like that they didn't keep that in the dark world because in the light world you're supposed to be powerful and awesome so i, I like that those two things were, were that they actually picked different music tracks for those when, wouldn't you say the the music in the light world overworld like the the you know the zelda overture we all know and love like that's very empowering to because mm-hmm. it's very like uplifting and sweeping the music in the dark world overworld is not depressing or sad. It's like militant. It's like, yeah, it's, it's almost letting you know, like there are people here, but they're kind of, they're not like friendly people, right? They're like, there are inhabitants of the dark world. It's not just a land of monsters, but there's like a might makes right kind of order to the dark world. And and it, and everything you see and experience conveys that. But before you have even taken your first step off the top of the pyramid, the music is you know dun 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 dun, dun and it's very like kind of and all the music in the 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 dark world is like that. Well, and I think I think you 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 make a very very good point. I would actually say like instead of being because it's it's not disempowering. It's not like a horror movie. I'd say even like the. The dungeons are closer to that with that that like kind of violin, you know, kind of like yes, that, that that's way more scary ominous, right? Scary ominous. It's not that you know what it's actually probably closer to. It's like the Imperial Death March, you know. Oh, you where you mean like uh, like Star Wars, like the Imperial March? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. You I don't know, think where death like, is supposed to belong in there. <laughs> uh sure. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. Sorry, <clears throat> the Imperial March of Death. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, but no, it's, it's, it's very, I, I agree. It's very, it, it sounds kind of like, um, like the music that you would expect in a propaganda documentary about like an, an evil nation, you know? So it's, it's kind of like saying like you, it, to me, it sounds, it, it sells like you, it, it, it's not like inherently bad, you know, but you are a, a, a unwanted guest in a foreign land you know yeah like, i like that like this this is not your home you know like the other place it's it's yeah and actually that kind of sticks to it because you know like the overall theme is very much so you know like yeah powerful like this is you know like i i you know you said it's very empowering but then this one it's just kind of like because that's your home that's the world that you're used to this isn't alien but it's not yours you know yeah so, and i mean it, it's oh god it's just <laughs> There, we've played a lot of games that had good music, and um, I, I just put an article in like my to read list that uh, video game music is probably among some of the best music to listen to while you're working because video mm. game music is designed to be in the background and to help you focus without getting your attention. Like, right. like a lot of people listen to uh, movie soundtracks for 
I assume very similar reasons because it's good music. It doesn't have vocals. So you don't like catch yourself singing along or like trying to sing along. So I, I wonder in, in a very small way, you could probably make a stupid argument that this music is maybe less good at being video game music because you're super aware of it, but it's the trade-off is that it's such good music like everyone knows the legend of zelda overture right like i i think one of my friends actually like walked into his wedding to that music it wasn't the one he meant it to be like it was a different rendition it was super everything you love (laughs) (laughs) for 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 our audience members that are unfamiliar with this story that he's talking about me and at my wedding, I had requested that I walk into the Legend of Zelda overture, and um, that was requested of the DJ. And uh, and so, you know, like I'm, I, I would walk in, and then you know, my groomsmen were like in a lower area of which Lions was one of them. You know, like like looking up, and uh, and all of a sudden, the music starts playing, and it was not the Legend of Zelda overture. It was this insane chip tunes remix version of it. Yeah, it was like a, and, it was like a club mix. <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 and I remember in my mind being like this, no, no, this is right. And lions had a conversation with Frank whereupon they said, you know, uh, so, or lions, you said like, like, Oh, this is odd. I'm surprised that George picked this particular remake. Well, Cause, cause where out. we were, no one at the wedding could see us. Right. So right. it's, so it's important that everybody listening to the story understands that I was able to openly wonder about what was going on because yes. nobody could see me. So I was like, huh. And, and I knew this song, like I was actually familiar with this version. So I, I was immediately able to be like, Hmm, this is an odd choice for him. Like I, I didn't really know George was into this kind of music. And then may I, cause from my point of view, yes. I think, oh, absolutely. I think, Please. I think the punchline really happens from my point of view. Uh, then you crossed a magic threshold whereby you were no longer outside our field division and I could see you up on the little hill that we had to kind of walk up the stairs to get to. And I was like, oh, I'm really, uh, I'm really surprised George would have gone with this chiptune version. And I could see the, the pained look on your face. And I was like, <laughs> he definitely didn't pick this and he does nope. not know what is happening or why it's happening. And I now have information that no one else at the wedding has. Like, yep. I've, I solved the puzzle. I put all these pieces together, but to be fair, only I had the knowledge to make that happen. So I got this like little, little beautiful memory from your wedding that no one else under any circumstances could have possibly experienced. Like somehow all of those uh, pieces just <laughs> fell into place for me at your wedding. Yep. So thank you for that. Hey, no, no, no problem. Not no problem at all. But, um, but anyway, so, so yeah, music, just amazing, iconic, the sound effects, I thought, I mean, again, you know, there's, there's pretty much everything in this game is, you know, done beautifully in service to the gameplay. Um, I thought, uh, specifically there, there were just so many, first of all, like the sound effects are very satisfying. Like when you kill a bad guy, it's satisfying. When you hit a bad guy, it's satisfying. But when you, when you hit something, like, you can't example, damage, it makes a really cool little like click noise. Like your sword like clicks off of it. Yes. Yeah. Like when it's like, no, you didn't hit them versus when you do hit them and you're like, yeah, got him. Feels good when I beat people with my sword. (laughs) 
um all that being said though uh, one of the the little nuances that they did where i was like ah neat is um there's a very distinct little noise that's made when an enemy specifically the soldiers realize where you are and are now aggroed to you oh the the little run it it sounds it's like like, a grunt and then like a charging noise yeah it's like hmm Kind of like a like a oh hey <laughs> like the look, like look the Metal Gear Solid like over there <laughs> yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go kill me some of that you know <laughs> like it's it's that but it is a distinct noise that way and especially because if you're playing it on like a larger TV right you know you may be looking at like Link and what Link's dealing with and the soldier that sees you may be actually outside of your visual range so there were a couple of times when I was playing right here like ooh or whatever you know <laughs> it, it is I. It, I mean, your impression of it is ma- forcing me to like choke back laughter every time, but that really is kind of what it sounds like. It really Ooh. is. It, oh, <laughs> oh, it, hey. it's and and I mean this it, it, that makes sense because you're just walking past like a building or whatever, and then some creep is like about to force himself on you, and he's like, "Ooh," and you're like, ah, "Get away, creep, or I'll <laughs> stab you to death with the master sword." <laughs> um. Yeah, so all of that. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that that was like a, a nice little like audio cue to be like, hey, s- s- you have you have drawn attention. Someone is now aggro to you. And and actually now that most of the bad guys have something like that, like even the crows, when all of a sudden like they get off their, their asses and like come to, to beat you up, yeah. right? They like make this like sudden fluttering noise, you know, that, and then they'll dive bomb you, you know? Yes, that's true. Actually, I'm impressed, man. Your ears are getting better because I... I'm aware of all those noises, but I did not put together the the thing they're going out of their way to communicate, which is like, I'm going to get you, right? Which, yep. <laughs> I mean, you, you need that information, especially because there are not a lot of places where you're like overwhelmed, but every once in a while, there's like a handful of things all going on at the same time. And knowing that your problems are about to get worse because enemies are like entering the fray that were not previously in the fray. It's, it's nice to have that with an auditory cue because there's a very good chance when you're being overwhelmed that the game has the majority of your visual attention already, right? Like right. you're, you're trying to deal with this enemy or you're trying to avoid like a projectile from this enemy and hearing like, Ooh, off in the distance, oh. you're like, oh, crap, like another guy is about to come in and freaking ask for my number. Like, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's specifically, and I, I, I may be wrong on this because I'm, I'm chugging this map right now in my head, but it is specifically for bad guys that are initially, like, not in, like, either stationary or just not, not that, that aggro to directly to you, you know? So, for example, um, uh, uh, birds, um, yeah, uh, the uh, soldiers, um, some some bad some baddies in dungeons, things like that. But like, for example, the um, the what are they called? The Octorox. The, Octorox being a good example, um, but uh, also the uh, grasshopper things, whatever they're called. Oh yeah, the uh, grasshopper things. Yes. Right. Ah, uh, yes. yes. The, gra- thank you so much. That was going to bug me. <laughs> but uh, no is um is is they don't make that sound but they never actually aggro to you they are just they're just throwing damage everywhere you know yeah so so i think that that's again like a good like a good distinction you know because they're like hey this is something that you may not have been paying attention to it is now super important that you pay attention to it because it's coming 
for you as opposed to just like hey there's this thing that's running around sowing random chaos so it may actually it will probably enter your field of vision sowing its random chaos before it directly hits you you know and and i think it's a smart choice to uh have like the bird make a bird noise when they aggro on you and the knights make like a night noise when they aggro on you and like for those enemies to each have a unique little noise but then to not also have every single like the octorox make a noise when they like fire the little rock out of their face but they don't make like a hey i'm just walking around noise and like the the grasshopper things Mm, i don't think they make any noise except when you hit Mm -hmm. them so like it would be really annoying if your brain had to sort out the aggro enemy noise from just the constant noise that all enemies are making all the time. Like when we, uh, when we played Donkey Kong, I was dumbstruck by the fact that you make <laughs> like a rubber squeaking noise with every single step you take. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. and I know that was like a thing in the arcade era. And I'm super glad those days are behind us, but just imagine being on a screen with four or five enemies and every single time any one of them moved at all, they made like the enemy moving noise. Like it'd be overwhelming and it would just be like cacophonous and terrible. Yes. No, it would be, it would be absolutely maddening. And and that's the thing is that none of the bad guys, the, the only time that there's really any sound effects sound is when it's something that like kind of needs your attention, you know? And it, it fleshes out the world, absolutely, you know, but it, it doesn't, like, not everything that would necessarily make a sound um, makes a sound. It's only, like, for example, um, you know, your your boots when you run, right? It makes that Right. But you need that, right? Because you need to, because especially because the visual for that is not super stark. Like, you need something to, like, when you press the A button to, like, know you hit the A button. Because even though you are, like, revving up a little bit, that's kind of a small visual, you know, until you like get going um so yeah i mean like like things like that where they kind of like let you know hey you know this this thing is happening whatever it is um also too one 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 thing that i really i I don't know why i found this so satisfying but the um master sword makes different sounds when you upgrade it you so each upgrade it makes a different swinging noise yes i think does it get lower it goes from like a whoosh to like a whoosh. yeah, super satisfying. I don't know why I find that so satisfying, but it's just kind of like I'm like, oh yeah. Well, and nah. N- so here's the thing. It, again, like this is how just deeply ingrained polish can be. Is until you said it makes a different noise each time, I that hadn't occurred to me. But the second you said it, I was like, oh yeah, and it gets lower because it's like it's been tempered. It's like a hardier sword because your first sword right. is a friggin' butter knife and I hate it. And then, <laughs> but then by the time you have, is it master sword plus three power-ups? Two power-ups. Um, the master sword is the first power-up right. and then you get it tempered by the brothers and then you throw it into the magical fairy pond right. to get the final yes. one. Yes, okay. So the, yeah, so it, it goes like, like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh whoosh and it, it's like yeah. and that last one like when you have the gold master sword is like it's awesome like <laughs> yeah like you 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 feel it in the fact that you do way more damage but you literally just hear it even when you're just chopping bushes down yeah no it just it feels and, and that's the thing is that it, that that sound effect i really think emphasizes at first of all you know it is it's it's a good sound effect to have again and it's one that you control like you control doing um 
but it's it's super it it, it really adds the game feel you know where it's just kind of like yeah you know not only does it does does the sword look different but it feels more powerful when i swing it you know and and that's and that's good because you kind of want that feel for you know when you hit bad guys because until they expire you don't really know how much damage you're doing you know yeah it's not at no point can you ever see damage on an enemy they don't have heart meters like you you eventually the game has a lot of enemies but not that many so you eventually internalize like oh with the master sword this enemy takes one hit but this enemy takes two hits and then you power up the master sword and you're like aha now all these enemies take one hit but now i've met new enemies that take two hits even with the powered up one and and you kind of circle around like that but you uh just having it sound a little bit different along with the slightly different visual of the different uh you know handguard color and the different blade colors like it's just just it's it's thoughtful like it's there's no reason to not make it sound a tiny bit different it's like oh but then we have to design extra sound yes do your job like <laughs> yeah do 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 the extra sounds um, um i i noticed uh a couple things about sound effects throughout the game uh one is the second you turn this game on and you know, I mean, it's a cartridge game. So you hit power and it's like game on and it, it makes it, which is really nice. That's probably one of the most delightful things about replaying classic games is no loading screens. Uh, uh, but I you, know, right. You, uh, you hit the, the power and it shows the Nintendo logo and it goes, it, it plays that noise. It's like, yeah, that whatever that Zelda noise is. Um, I can't even think where that noise comes up in the game. It, is that a rupee noise? Yeah. I think that's well, no. To be fair, I think that's just the Nintendo logo noise because it's also on uh, Super Mario World as well. Slap it! Slap, slap, slap it. it! Are you sure? Slap it. Because I'm I'm almost positive that when you turn on Super Mario World, it makes coin. Slap! Slap it! it. Slap cool. it! Done. Um, okay, so <laughs> so the terms of this slap bet are: I am saying that the noise that it makes when you start up Link to the Past and the noise that you make when it, you start up Super Mario World are different. I am not saying I'm positive what the Super Mario World noise is. Correct. Okay, no, we're saying that I'm saying that the, the 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 sound it makes when the Nintendo logo logo comes on, like right before it goes into like the full thing. I am saying those two noises are the same. You are saying that they are different. Yes. Okay. And and here's the thing. Even if you are about to knock my teeth out, I, <laughs> I for whatever reason, have imprinted that noise onto Link to the Past. So even if it is before every Super Nintendo game, I, for whatever reason, associate it not just with Link to the Past, but there is, uh, you can't advance through the first part of the the opening to the game. When it once the music starts, you can start mashing, you know, start and jump to right. the the load screen, but uh it makes that that noise and then the the triforce triangles you know fly in mm-hmm. and the music starts yeah. and the the amount of rest before between that noise and the the triforce triangles comes in makes it feel like part of the music so in mm. my mind that is how that song starts is like with the <laughs> nintendo noise and i'm nice. i'm fairly confident that that was not a mistake or a happy coincidence like that really feels like something that somebody either added a rest or removed a rest or did whatever they had to do to make sure that it would go like, 
and then boom in the crescendo you know with the the actual like overture and 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 it's so satisfying like it's so good it just makes you feel good like <laughs> and, and i love i love that this era of music like the 16-bit music to me is still miles away from like proper instruments and what we got later with like a little bit on the N64 and then more in like the disc based era of like, you know, GameCube and PlayStation and, and Xbox. But I kind of don't care. Like I, <laughs> I know that these are not strings and horns and like, I don't care. Like I like the way they sound. Well, because they did a good job leveraging what they had is, and, and I, and I think that, um, Good game design in general is taking what you are able to do and leveraging it in the best way possible. So, for example, if, you know, they tried to do like this kind of, you know, full maze or thing, right? If they tried to do that, it would have sounded weird and disjointed. But instead they said, well, what, what can we do? Well, let's make that sound as amazing as possible. And, and, and man, in my opinion, it knocked it out of the park. I think this is this is probably why like the the Mega Man music on the original Nintendo is so iconic. Not I mean, I apologize. That woman is an amazing composer and deserves infinite credit. She's just an amazing composer with incredibly limited tools. But what I was gonna say is the Mega Man games are like futuristic y games. So the fact that mm-hmm. everything sounds electronic actually totally super fits. And your brain is mm. not like, oh, that doesn't sound like a trumpet. Oh, that doesn't sound like a violin. Because it's not supposed to. It's like right. some crazy future instrument you've never even heard of. And with uh, Legend of Zelda, everything is, in fact, supposed to be like some kind of familiar instrument. And even though it doesn't quite sound like it, and it doesn't even really sound like a good facsimile, it still sounds good and rich. And like there's there's just great layers to all of the songs. Like they... They are well written, no question, but they also use these instruments in a very, very smart way. Absolutely. Um, my my final note for uh, for audio, which we just you can't you can't talk about the audio in this game without talking about it. Um, <laughs> the, the the low on hearts noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's kind of like. Uh, in this entire gigantic world, there were two or three visuals that kind of bothered me. Well, in this game that is constantly playing music and making sounds, th- there had to be at least one sound that you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I don't mean, like for me, I mean, that, that sounds super annoying. There's no, there's no getting around that. That, 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 that sound in and of itself is annoying. Um, it is definitely, it has stayed around in service to the brand. Like that is... That is the Zelda heart sound, you know? Um, I, I don't know. Like, to me, like, when I was younger, it, it added this sense of dis-ease, you know, of like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Now that I'm older, it, I, I, I don't know why, like, it got kind of a kick for me personally <laughs> to the lengths I would go to to get that noise to go away. <laughs> like, I definitely made some Ill, in, ill-incentivized decisions just to make that thing go away. For example... Um, things I have done to make <laughs> to make the heart noise go away. Um, I have desperately ransacked a room for no apparent reason, just in the desperate hope that one thing in the room had a single heart to make that noise go away. 
I have murdered way more enemies than I needed to to make that noise go away. I have drank potions I did not need to drink to make that noise go away. <laughs> I have released fairies and then consumed them whole to make that noise go away. And finally, I have killed myself <laughs> to make that noise go away. So, so like I said, <laughs> it's just kind of a, like, like, I remember one point I had like, like half a heart left and I was just kind of like, nope. And just threw myself into a cavern, you know, just to, just to make it all end. And then I died. And I was like, huh. Thank God I'm dead because I couldn't Just take that noise un- anymore. Under under the crippling pressure of the noise, Link <laughs> Link s- tragically kills himself. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, so um Edgar Allan Poe's poem, uh what was it? The, with the the, the, the Telltale heart. heart. Telltale Heart, yes. No, no. That but, So it's the Telltale but, Hearts. Yeah, no, no, but it's it's that. But instead of he- him hearing the heart beating under the thing, it's just the noise. Like every time, like it goes like bump, bump. It's like no, it's just beep, beep, like that. I don't know, man. That do it. I- so I feel like I haven't said this in several episodes, but like that YouTube video's got to be out there, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like surely someone else has made taken like a famous you know animated version or tv acted version of the telltale heart and replaced the heartbeat with i mean come on internet like come on well how about this you, you you've got a twitter account so so all of our listeners if that exists find it and direct message lions and and send it to us because I, I i would love to watch that yeah. i'd watch that no i would totally watch that i would i would i would let some of my youtube red money go to that part i don't have any choice but yeah. <laughs> how they how they spend your money so but yeah that's 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 no I'm, I'm with you on that and and i will actually uh the silver lining to going mad and killing yourself to escape the heart noise is uh, <laughs> the noise that it makes when you die the the rah, 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 thunk like <laughs> when you fall face first onto the pavement face just totally eat it um that's even that is actually a fairly pleasant like kind of enjoyable auditory experience because it's the the i don't think that noise is present anywhere else in the game the thunk noise i wouldn't be surprised if that's remixed and used in other thunking places but Mm -hmm. the the when you spin i don't i don't i think that may be unique just to when you die and it's not that a, a unique death sound is is an unheard of thing but i'm i'm just I'm trying to think like is is there anywhere else in the game you hear that sort of pleasant little noise the thunk and then like if the that that's all like way in the low register but then if you had a fairy in a bottle if you were keeping a magical creature a slave to your own ends and yes <laughs> then I okay well, let me finish. <laughs> so, so she comes out, and and her her noise of like sprinkling fairy dust on you is like super high pitched, right? And then mm-hmm. the noise of yeah. the hearts refilling is super high pitched. So there's like this cool juxtaposition between like the low, you know, sounds of death and like the high sounds of life, and that's like an interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, right. It's like an interesting yeah. bit of like they didn't have to. It could have been reverse where one was low and the other was high instead, but. The point is that they're different and they like call attention to the fact that they're different. Um, what is up with fairies? Because if, <laughs> if, if you are holding them hostage, 
Okay, so I'm thinking through this in real time here. The bottle with the fairy in it must be around your neck because then when you collapse on your face, the bottle Mm. shatters and that's how the fairy gets out. Because if she was just who framed Roger Rabbiting in there and she could have escaped at any time, do you mean to tell me you could have gotten out of that bottle at any time? No, not at any time. Only when you were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. But... (laughs) But the thing is, the thing is that that you she's not consumed, right? Like she gets out, resurrects you, yes. and then leaves. She could, li- I mean, if that was true, she could just very easily just let you to die. Absolutely. So what if instead you're like Stockholm syndroming these fairies into <laughs> into like believing that like, like like so you capture a fairy because you do capture them, right? Like they're flying free and then i think the text on the screen literally says you caught a fairy what will you do with it right and so then you throw it into a bottle and you're like hey here's the thing man i i'm the i'm the hero like you you should be with me like like and so you just basically gaslight these fairies into being on your side (laughs) so that when you fall they then kick out the cork right and then come out and are like here let me bring you hero back to life so that way you can do all of this good thing and then they they, and then they like like all of a sudden like now being bequeathed with freedom for the first time or like like they start to come to their senses and they're like no no wait no i need to leave and then they just like take off you know i i love i love (laughs) the idea that they can't escape the bottle until you die and then it's like when a baby rolls under a car and the mother or father suddenly has the strength to lift the car. <laughs> like they couldn't kick out the cork to the bottle until then. But then suddenly seeing their captor, their captor in yes. in mortal peril, they're like, no, I have to go to. Oh, man, it's, that's awful. Yeah, no, it's I like it's, it's I, I here's what I'm going to here's my headcanon. Um, fairies are like so powerful that they do not see any of what's going on as concerning them. Mm. So they let you capture them. And then when you die, they're like, eh, give it another shot. And, (laughs) but then they're like, you know, they, they like lose interest in you. Right. Cause they're, they're like these little demigods. And like, once you fall, they're like, okay, fine. Get back up, give it another chance. And then like, they take off. Right. But mm-hmm. but I I can't uh, I can't accept that they are true prisoners. I would much rather believe that the the tangle of Link and Ganon's lives are just like a joke to them. Well, especially like that that may actually hold because as long as we're jumping down this rabbit hole, like what if okay what if what if fairies were more like um, the the Formians in um, in Ender's Game, yes, yes. The, like so, the, the fair fo- Formix, Formix. Sorry, Formians is a D and D thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if they were like the form? Like, so what if the 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 fairies at the fairy ponds, right? Those are sentient, right? And then the little fairies are just like pieces of them. Oh, these are like worker so, fairies, right? They're like worker fairies, and so thus the the big fairies are okay with their worker fairies being carried around by link 
And so then when Link drops, the big fairy says, like, okay, you need to revive him because I don't – oh, God, because I don't <laughs> want to turn into the, the fairy – because the fairy in the dark world does not want to be in the dark world, right? No, and, and that's a very – uh, that's a very Japanese way of making her feel bad about being in the dark world is that the fairies in the light world are all like thin and beautiful and she yeah. looks the same. She's just heavy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <sighs> it, no game's perfect. And this is definitely a a product of the environment and time it was made. But yes, but no, I think that 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 that, that I think that might be my headcanon is that, you know, the fairies that you catch are offshoots of the the larger, greater fairies. Uh, I, I like worker fairies. Yeah, yeah that, that also fairies. sort of explains the regular fairies' behavior when they're not. Because the only time you see them behave coherently is when they heal you and then fly away. Whereas mm-hmm. whenever you see them in the wild, they're just freaking out. Like, yeah, they, they're just all over and, the place. And, and, yeah, and and I am now totally subscribed to your theory because. They seem to be moving erratically because we don't understand their movements. Mm. It's not that they're flitting around randomly. It's that they're doing something we just can't understand because we're not a hive mind. Exactly. And and also, too, like why they would also tend to hang out around water because that's just what, you know, the, the greater fairies do. The greater fairies are in fountains. In fact, the greater fairies may actually be doing what the formics did which is trying to create more fairies you know like more greater fairies like more fairy fountains maybe maybe the fairies are the villains like no maybe no, they're no. slowly taking over hyrule no, this is exactly like the formix because the formix <laughs> the, the formix didn't recognize humanity as a sentient species yeah so as far as the fairies are concerned maybe they think oh my god like <laughs> link is the only human we ever see interact with the fairies just like ender is the only human who ever talks to the formic queen the fairies didn't even know that humans were sentient and then the first one like gives link the red boomerang and then all the fairy queens like get together and they're like ah crap these are like these are like people like they have thoughts and feelings we should do something. So basically, so are, wait, are, are we now saying that <laughs> Link to the Past is Ender's game? Uh, unfortunately, based on uh, like author order, we would have to do it in that direction. But I am mm. way more interested in going the other direction. And <laughs> <laughs> saying that Orson Scott Card was like, hmm, fairies and Link to the Past. Yeah. To- should make a book around that in space. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, well, anything else on sound? No, 